0: Welcome back to another episode of Feed the Post. I am your host, Joe Jackson. Joining me as always is my friend and co-host Aiden Kunst. Aiden, how are you doing today?
1: Doing good, Joe. Uh, ready to get this started. Big Ten Podcast. Um, we're we're getting down to it here at the end of the season. Next week we got some awards coming. So we're uh we're kind of getting down to it. We're getting down to March and it's the best time of the year for basketball.
0: Yeah, no, it's going to be a fun time. Um, you know, three to four games left for everybody, um, just, you know, depending on, on where you've played or not already. Um, before we're today, so today we're going to be doing a QA. and uh, a We post on Twitter, asked for some questions. We got some good ones. Going to go through and answer those. Um, before we do that, and this was not part of the plan, so now I'm putting Aiden on the spot. Um, quickly just go through games of the week for the upcoming week. Uh, we're recording the morning of February 23rd. So I'm just going to start Northwestern at Illinois tonight, tonight's, uh, nine Eastern. That one's going to be a really, really big one. Um, other than that, obviously the game of honestly, just like probably the season or, you know, top two game of the season is Indiana at Purdue on Saturday. Um, you know, Purdue, depending on what happens, if Northwestern loses at Illinois, uh, Purdue has the opportunity to clinch at least a share of the big 10 title against Indiana at home. So that'll be a big one. Um, you know, and kind of looking through the rest, it's kind of the similar to last week, where it's a lot of, like, solid games, but nothing too, too crazy. Um, you know, Michigan State at Iowa Saturday will be solid. Um, Wisconsin at Michigan will be fun just because of, of all the antics and that's. And then, you know, next Tuesday, Iowa at Indiana. Um, I think that'll be another solid one. But um, I know I took pretty much all the good ones. Anything else really stand out to you, Aiden?
1: No, not really. Just, you know, it's just looking at those bubble teams,
0: you know, going in any yeah. game really for them at
1: this point. You know, you look at Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Maryland is even, I would say, on the on the outer edge, Iowa for sure. Um, you know, those teams and then just other teams trying to, you know, jockey for position in the seeding race. Um, you know, our guy Brian Tonsoni who came on for uh, Boilers in the Stands, Braggs in the Stands show last night. Um, was talking about how little separation there is, like on the six seed line, the seven seed line, the eight seed. And a lot of those teams are Big Ten teams. You know, I, Illinois, uh, Michigan State's in there. Rutgers is certainly in there. Uh, Indiana's a little bit above that. But, yeah, just a bunch of teams. I think, you, you, to me, I got my eye on any team that Ohio State's playing. Like, for example, tonight, Penn State, Ohio State. Um, I think Ohio State could easily knock them off, and that would be a devastating loss for Penn State's you know tourney hopes Ohio State I think is actually favored in the game so you know can can some of those bottom feeders knock off um teams that have tournament chances and 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 you know accordingly like knock them out of the the picture which would kind of suck for the Big Ten but could easily happen and we see that
0: happen all the time yeah I'm with you there um you know the Minnesotas the Ohio States even even Nebraska um although Nebraska yeah. uh, they've been they've been solid like Um, You know, Minnesota, they play at Nebraska, so that's, you know, whatever. And then they have home against Rutgers, home against Wisconsin. It's like, you pick off either of those, that knocks Rutgers down a ton. If Wisconsin loses that, they're not making the tourney um, just flat out. So, you know, I I agree. There's just like, if if any of these kind of bottom teams can really pick it off, Penn State's going to have to be probably perfect. The only game they could maybe probably lose is at Northwestern. Um, But and still have a chance, but yeah. And I think, you know, I think that's a good segue into our first question. And this comes from at Tippett 523 on Twitter. Uh, he was just saying, can we talk about like the number of big 10 teams that we think will make, you know, round 32, sweet 16, elite eight, final four, um, maybe championship if, if you're, you know, that big. But before we do that, just to kind of set it uh, closely running through, just is just bracket matrix um, where they have everybody seated right now. Obviously they're, they're pretty accurate in general. Um, so I'm just going to scroll down and, and call about the big 10 teams as I see them. So right now, Purdue, a one seed, um, Indiana is a four seed, Northwestern, Illinois, six seeds, Maryland and Iowa, seven seeds, Michigan state and Rutgers, eight seeds. And then Wisconsin is currently the last 11 seed in. So right now they have the last spot in um, probably just because they picked up the win over Iowa yesterday. And then, you know some bubble teams is um you have penn state on the bubble and i think that is it i think I because I, I think i don't think michigan is is really near the bubble at all no, um, so what no. yeah. that's you know one two three four oh maryland's a seven seed fact, no i did one two three four five six that's like eight big like ten teams in and then one on the bubble or two on the bubble if you count wisconsin so where do you think? Where do you think? Where's the, you know, the big talk is always Big Ten fails in March. Um, big Ten doesn't move, you know, their style just isn't conducive to winning in March. The refs, you know, destroy the league. Where, right. where do you think? Where, where, how, where are your hopes or um, thoughts for these teams going into March?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I certainly think anyone can make the round of 32. Uh, the matchups aren't going to be anything crazy. Like I have, I was talking about Brian Tonsoni. He runs at Delphi Bracketology. Locally here, like some of these matchups, you look at like Iowa could easily beat Auburn in the eight, nine game, you know, Rutgers FAU and then that's a game that Rutgers could win in the in another eight, nine game, obviously Purdue getting a 16 seed likely or a 15 seed, Um, you know, Indiana playing Iona, like that's a game they should win Northwestern West Virginia is a kind of a 50 50 game, I think, Um, you know, Illinois playing would play Boise State in this bracket. Um, Maryland would play. Um, Pittsburgh, so that's probably a loss for Maryland. But, you know, I think a lot of those teams would have a good shot to win the first game. Um, So put a number on it. uh, What do we say? I mean, every team that makes a field, so seven or eight, you know, um, whatever the case may be. I think to make the Sweet 16, um, boy, I could see Indiana doing it. I certainly could see Purdue doing it. Um, I certainly could see... I don't know. Illinois is a tougher sell for me. I think they're just too inconsistent. I think they could get hot, uh, like in this one, They but they would likely have to go through a three seed. So, again, you got to look at that. Like, well, that's not an easy game. I mean, even looking at this, I think I would say nobody – looking at this bracket, I would say nobody makes the Sweet 16 from the Big Ten. Um Even Purdue? Yeah, even Purdue. They have Kentucky or NC State, and I think they would <laughs> lose to either of those teams. Um, and- Indiana – would lose to UConn, I think. And I think Illinois would lose to Kansas State and Michigan State would have Houston. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty brutal. Like, if, they, if it breaks this way, our guy, Coach Tonsoni, is, has it pretty rough for our the Big Ten teams. But, yeah, like, there's a chance nobody makes a Sweet 16, I think. I mean, matchups-wise. But then you could look at it and go, okay, if Purdue gets, you know, Rucker, you know, FAU in the 8-9 game, then they're probably going to win that. But the problem for Purdue is that all these other Big Ten teams are going to be eight, nine games, and they're not going to want to make that, you know, they're not going to want to make another Big Ten team uh, facing in the same bracket as Purdue, uh, at least for the round of 32. So they're likely going to end up with a, a faster-paced team, a more difficult team, a Texas a and a Kentucky and NC State, uh, one of those teams. So Purdue's kind of on thin ice there. But, yeah, I, I, I think certainly Purdue can make the Elite Eight. IU, I think, has a, would have an outside shot, but they'd probably have to go through a one-seed. Uh, but yeah, I think Purdue is really the only team that has a chance to make the Elite Eight or the Final Four as currently constructed. Maybe you could argue Illinois, maybe you could argue Michigan State gets on a heater. Uh, maybe you could argue
0: Indiana, but that's that's to me, that's kind of how I see it playing out. Yeah, I'm um I think I'm a little more optimistic about Purdue, but I you know, that would be tough matchups either way. Yeah, round of 32 with you. Um, I think, you know. Anybody could win. Uh, I would, the one that I'm worried about probably the most that's like for sure. In obviously if Wisconsin makes I'm very concerned about them in general, um, the other ones, Maryland, they're just, they've been so bad away from home that I have, And obviously like a lot of big 10 teams haven't been great away from home, but like Maryland splits have been so drastic. Um, same thing with Iowa too. Um, so those two teams would be kind of teams I'd be worried about in the first round. Um, you know, just, kind of regardless of matchup just because of how poorly they've shot away so but besides that i think you know i still think anybody can make the round of 32 i think you know anybody anybody can win that um so round of sweet 16 um realistically i think it's purdue indiana and illinois are the ones that have the the best chance um like you said illinois streaky so I, i don't know you know like they and that's part of why i'm picking them is they're streaky and so like if you get two really good if you I'm still under the belief of like if you get like a really good Illinois game, like their best is still, you know, top. I think if you put everybody's best up against each other, I would say Illinois' best is a top 15 team in the country. Um, something in that area. I like I think when they're clicking, it's they're really, really tough to beat. Obviously, it's just not always there. So um, and that does need to be taken into account. Indiana, I think, you know. They, they have trace who's a dynamic big um you know he plays with a lot to his back with the basket back to the basket Geez, but he also can face up he can kind of take guys off the dribble he can rebound and go um and so out of like this big 10 mold of bigs he's kind of unique in that he does play more of a forward type um and then i just you know I think purdue i think purdue regardless of matchup like should make the sweet 16. um i I think it'll be a lot tough. You know, there's definitely really tough matchups, um, but I, I think at the end of the day, there's going to be more talented than basically any team they face. Um, and then they're the really, I think Purdue's the only team I really think can go further than sweet 16, not saying they will for sure. Um, but I think, I think they're the team I trust the most to really go far. Um, maybe get a Final four run. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, Other, you know, sleeper final four, I would say Illinois, um, but maybe Indiana. Um, yeah, like that's, that's really it. Like I know Wisconsin, no to Rutgers, no, maybe MSU, like you said. Yeah. No to I Iowa, think they could, no to Maryland, no to Northwestern. I think MSU could, is probably
1: the fourth most
0: likely to make the sweet
1: 16. Cause I, I, I could see them picking off a two or a one with Izzo there and just the way their guards can get going. Um, cause they have the foundation of defense. So yeah. I think that will get them somewhere. Um, uh, but again, it's like if they're not hitting tough shots, and they are tough, tough shots that they take, like, yeah, they're they're gonna flame out. But I could see them beating up on a I mean, some of the two seeds aren't that crazy. Like if they played Baylor, yeah, that's not I mean, you'd take Baylor, but that it, it you know, Michigan State I think would have a outside chance. I mean, I, I wouldn't we're not saying this is likely by any means, but
0: yeah. Like most likely scenario is you get one, maybe two sweet 16 teams from the big ten, yeah, and then yeah, you know, maybe somebody sneaks in past um Yeah, I, and I, I think, think that's blue. Pretty, but like, also the the whole the whole country's down. So yeah. it's like you know, there's that aspect too of like there isn't, you know, maybe Alabama and Houston as Kansas maybe aside. There isn't like these like dominant, like, oh man, they're they're going far type teams no
1: and and even like you look at Purdue I know I'm basing everything off this like mock bracket here but you know like their four or five game would be Gonzaga like Gonzaga's the four I mean we've already seen what Purdue did Gonzaga so at that point like I, I really do think there's a lot to the matchups Uh I think that's really important like that's the only reason why I say like for example Purdue had Auburn as its team playing in the 8-9 game of course I'm taking Purdue but yeah. NC State, Kentucky scares me, you know. And then you look down the line, like Purdue would have Texas as their two seed, Virginia as their three. I'd feel pretty good about that if I'm Purdue, as far as getting out of that region. Not, I mean, again, not amazing. We're Purdue fans. We're gonna be on edge naturally when it comes yep. to March. But you know, it it it's it's a good chance for Purdue, and I think the the whole Big Ten, if you know, whoever yeah. I I just think the whole whoever gets eliminated, you know, whoever's still alive at the end. Like, that's who the whole Big Ten should rally around. Because I do think, like, the not getting to a Final Four in forever is just – it's kind of weighing in on the conference. It's such a freaking talking point that yeah. I, I hope that somebody can break that. Obviously, I hope it's Purdue. But, like, I hope somebody can can break that barrier down. Uh, because, who would you
0: – uh outside of Purdue, who would you want it to be? Who would you be like, okay, Penn I can State. really root for them? Penn State. <laughs> okay. Realistic teams that make it.
1: Um. I don't know. I think most people would maybe say Northwestern because they're like the feel-good story,
0: but I can't stand them after what.
1: I I would say.
0: Whew, um... I would say Illinois because I like their team, but like I don't like. Yeah, the... maybe Illinois. Maybe Iowa, just because it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. fair yeah. to have a meltdown in the championship. Yeah, game. I
1: think I feel like Iowa would be a good one. Ruckers
0: and at least that'd be a high scoring game, right? Like that's the thing. Like teams. I don't want a boring team. Yeah, I don't really want a boring team. I'd say yeah, I or like, Illinois. Wisconsin somehow or Rutgers somehow make it to the championship. That'd be an ugly, ugly championship game. Right, um, right. But okay, I think you know, do you have anything else on that? I think we're probably good there. No, I think it's a good question though, because it's such a yeah. freaking talking point. Yeah, for sure. Um, move on to the next one. This is from at BoilerMade. Uh, what can Purdue take away from how MSU schemed against IU defensively? And is Purdue well-suited to implement a similar strategy? Um, so, any, you know, the game he's referencing is this latest Michigan State-Indiana game. Um, Michigan State won 80-65. to And and Trace, in all of his greatness, then this is where it's like, oh, you know, he had a bad game. But he still put up 19 points, six, seven rebounds, five assists. But he had seven turnovers as well. And that's, I believe, a season high. Um, quickly double-checking myself. Yeah. Oh, no, he had eight against – he had – wait, no, no, no. Yeah, that's a season-high seven. Um, and he's had 12 in the past two games combined. So – um, and actually, I'm going to bring in the next question too because I, I think it's – they're similar, and I think they go to together, and we'll talk about it for a bit. Um, so – and the other one is from at Ryan Newdorf. Does, T, does TJD have enough in the tank for March? And so I think that's, you know, kind of going back to the MSU thing is – MSU, kind of, they, what they did schematically is they started out doubling Trace, right? They doubled on the catch, um, probably because of you know what Trace did to them earlier and what Edie's done to them. It's like, okay, we just have to double on the catch. And then Trace just tore him apart passing, um, kickouts, you know, spinning away from the defense. Didn't really matter. He he just he got what he wanted. Then MSU switched to just kind of single coverage, but really hard digs from the wing, and they kind of threw in a double randomly here and there. Um, and I think just all of the, the mixing in messed with Trace um, a good bit. He didn't quite know what he was doing um, at times or like he wasn't as confident in what he was doing. There were still some times that he just caught and spun away from all the defense and it didn't matter and he scored, um, but he was less decisive. And just I think that caused a lot of turnovers. The passing wasn't on point like we've seen from him, um, you know, a few passes just kind of over guys' heads, things like that. But I think it relates to the other question of just like, I think Trace was just gassed, um, to be honest. And I think we're starting to reach that point. He's averaging, I believe, 38 minutes per game in Big Ten play. um, since So since January 31st, which was their at Maryland game, they played one, two, three, four. They played seven games. In those seven games, he's played 38, 39, 39, 40, 39, 37, and 35 minutes. Um, he has not played less than 33 minutes. This in the year 2023. Um, and on top of that, he has what he has the like third highest usage rate in uh, Big Ten play. He's playing the second most minutes, I believe behind picket would be my guess. Um uh, don't have that up purely in front of me. So yeah, you know, the minutes are starting to wear, like that was um at Michigan State was their third game in seven days. Um, so there's that aspect too, and I I think he's just starting to get gas. Plus, MSU did a pretty good job, I think, of mixing stuff in. Um, but if MSU and IU were fully like fresh, then I I don't know if Trace has that, you know, poor of a a passing game.
1: Yeah, and I also think you could see him kind of laboring, like he wasn't getting up off the ground uh nearly as as effectively as he has in the past. I think, you know, the Boiler Uniforms account put out a stat that Edie sat for more minutes against Ohio State than Trace has in the month of February. Um, yeah. So that kind of puts it in perspective of, like, how – the just the difference in rest that these two teams will be experiencing. Purdue essentially had a practice Sunday uh, in Mackey and then, you know, has had – more than a week since that that emotional loss at maryland and and just has had plenty of time to kind of reset for the stretch run you know indiana has had to go into a charged up breslin center tuesday night probably the best environment of the year for breslin for obvious reasons and you know and just just took it on the chin and like you said three games in seven days about to be four games in you know x amount of days so yeah, I, I think that's a big factor. You know, I, I think schematically – um, who was it? Boiler Maid asked this question. Like, uh, you can say a lot, and I think all the things that Michigan State did was, was good and uh, and clearly worked. I think Purdue is going to do what they do. Um, I think we'll see a similar game plan to the first game because now they're at home. You know, now they're at home, and it, it's a different atmosphere. They're going to get more calls. There's going to be less – uh, you know momentum changing plays with the crowd I I think when when Edie's in there I think probably first will be on him to prevent the the pick and roll lobs that we saw last year in Mackey and then I think they'll bring the double occasionally maybe they'll let first play one-on-one I mean that could be an adjustment maybe they they're kind of random with the double but again Painter goes by his defensive rules he, he said that over and over again and his rule is to double the post that's no matter if it's you know Paul McCahey down there, or or Trace Jackson Davis. So uh, I would expect yeah. Edie to come on that double. I think Indiana's going to be ready for that. They're going to send Race Thompson cutting behind Edie when when Edie leaves him, and somebody's going to have to drop down and take that away. You know, um, Fletcher lawyer. One thing,
0: times. yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, the game, the game against Purdue, like he he had tw- he had 25 points on nine and 19 shooting, uh, seven yeah. and nine from the line, seven rebounds, one assist, and three turnovers. And like for how well he's playing, like maybe you, if you're Purdue, you want him to stay closer to 20 points, but the rest of the stat line you take. No, I think,
1: you, I think you take that, especially at Mackey, um, you bank on Hood Shafino not hitting shots on the road, which he hasn't done all year uh, really at, a, at at the same rate that he has, you know, in, in, in the friendly confines of assembly. And, you know, you make him take his normal tough shots. You chase him over the top of those, of that Chicago action and try to get him to take a tough shot if it's, if it's anyone but Hood Shafino, maybe Edie takes one step up, you know, because guys like Galloway hurt them in the first game of like using all that space Edie's giving. Hood Shafino, I think, is just comfortable enough where he's just gonna pull it. Um, so I don't yeah. know if they want to do that. I think, like you said, um, you know, Trace missed some shots. They forced him into some tough hooks. Uh the problem came at times when Edie would leave and then he was out of position to rebound. And so that that would be my concern based on the first game. Um and I know we're not really. I'm not really answering your question about MSU. I'm answering more about what adjustments do I think they'll make. Um, you know, I think Edie's just got to either go or don't. You know, either either smother Trace or 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 stick with Race. You know, and let Caleb handle him because it it you can't be in the in between in the gray area. And now either Trace is still getting a decent look off, or and now you're out of position to rebound. So either make sure he's not going to get a shot off completely. Or, or you know, let Caleb handle him one-on-one, I think would be my just uneducated opinion, you know, of, of what to do on that. And then I think, like I said, Fletch can come down, tag, take away race. It's not like race is some crazy athlete. Um, you know, take that away, knock it away if, if Trace tries to make the pass. You know, again, it's like with, with players like Trace, you're never going to have an easy solution. Um, it's It's yeah. all about what can you do to limit them. You know, I think as a coach, you look at like, Okay, what can we best do to, you know, make it difficult on them? Um, and they're still going to get theirs, and we can't overreact. I don't think when they when Trace gets a couple buckets on first or hits the hits a pass out of the double and scores, and I don't think Painter, I think Painter's so good about not overreacting to the the game, trusting your game plan, sticking with your process, believing that in the end it will work out and win out. And so far, obviously, it's done that well for for Purdue.
0: So. Yeah, no, I, I think you hit on a lot of good points. Um, you know, we, and we previewed the game a little bit on our last pod for anybody that didn't listen um, or hasn't listened yet. But, yeah, I've, Trace is in, you know, I think Edie still wins National Player of the Year, Big Ten Player of the Year, all y- yada, yada. Trace is a top five player in the country right now, arguably a top two. Um, I, I think there's a legitimate argument that he's the second best player in the country for this season. Yeah. Um, And so he's in that ED territory of like you hear coaches be like, yeah, ED only had like 24 and 15. I thought we did a pretty good job on him today. Um, And Trace is kind of in that territory, too. It's like, yeah, Trace had only 25, but he only had one assist. So like I thought we did pretty well. Um, And, you know, that's just when you're that talented, things like that are going to happen. You know, it'll be interesting to see if he's if if he's um, still kind of gassed, if he gets gassed obviously you know part MSU does run a little more um they haven't pushed a ton this year but definitely in that first half they were pushing hard um after some makes and misses Purdue doesn't um so there's that aspect and then you know I, I know we're we're at this point we're just more previewing the game than uh t- answering the question but you know there's also the foul aspect of in Mackey fans are you know going to be yelling at refs um to put it nicely and you know, it maybe that gets a call against Trace or stuff like that too. So, because um, then if Trace, if Trace, you know, Trace played thirty nine minutes against Purdue in game one. Like we said, he's um, I have the stats up now. Trace is averaging thirty seven minutes a game in Big Ten play. Um, Jalen Pickett's at thirty seven point eight, the only one ahead of him. Just for reference, Edie's only average only averaging thirty two point five in Big Ten play. So, um, yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a big workload for him, especially when you know he. He has Hood Schaafino, who can create, and aside from that, right now nobody else can really create for themselves. It's, it's pretty much all trace. So, um, yeah, just got to be, you know, wall him up, give, make him make at least somewhat difficult passes. Um, and if he makes them, he makes them, and, and you just kind of live with that. So, um, I think we can we can kind of move on to the the next one now. Um, we have a a three pack from MCASO one two four. Um, on Twitter, start with the first one. Um, what does the future look like for Brian Waddell? So he's, you know, six, seven, six, eight redshirt freshman. Has kind of fell out the rotation pretty early in the year. Um, you know, coming off of the torn ACL from last year when he did redshirt. So, um, you know, what, what are your kind of thoughts on Waddell, where you maybe see him fit going forward?
1: Yeah, I, I like know. him. I like him. Um, you know, there's that famous tweet of, uh, Career College basketball points, Brian Waddell nine, LeBron James zero. So I always think about that whenever I see uh whenever I hear Brian's name. Um, yeah, I I don't I'm definitely not someone clamoring for him to get minutes this year. And I've seen a little bit of that, not a ton, but a little bit of that on Twitter. Um like why why isn't he still in the rotation? You know, um,
0: because rotation shrink have to play ten guys,
1: yeah. Yeah, rotation shrink as the year goes on, and you wouldn't be surprised to see another guy leave the rotation uh come March. You know, it just gets tough to play that many guys. And um it wasn't like he was you know, I think he showed some flashes of of being an a a good defender, you know. I think he showed some flashes of some confidence offensively. I know he had a couple dunks. You know, he, he wasn't hitting his shot when he played early in the year in some of those bye games. Um but I, I think he is a good shooter. You know, he's he's really a an unknown. I I mean he easily could – you know, it's you have the tendency to give Painter the benefit of the doubt, you know, and and for him to offer this kid a scholarship who didn't have any other Power 5 offers. I think he had Miami, Ohio, and a couple Mac – you know, a lot of the Mac was on him. Um, Balpo maybe. You know, Boehner offers this kid, and he played with his dad at Purdue. And um funny how thinking about his timeline, I mean, the early reports out of last year were similar to those we were hearing about Braden Smith preseason last season, you know, of like, yeah. whoa, this, you better watch out. Like this guy's coming. you you know, you don't know anything about him, but you soon will. And then he tears the ACL and it's like, Oh, okay. Well, he's just going to be out for the year. And we'll we revisit this next year. And then again, you know, it's, it's just, there's just not room for him right now. I, I like him. I think he has a role in the future. Um, And the, the question was about the future. I just like listed his past. Um, I, I think the future's bright still. I think he's got three years of eligibility left. he He has something that a lot of that that painter needs, which is size on the wing, shooting theoretically. We haven't seen that yet, but theoretical shooting upside. I think he could play the four. He could play the three for you. I think his future is a little more murky with Camden Heidi in now. Like there's some overlap there. I don't and we just I don't have any feel for cam either because he he yeah. didn't play his last year at prep school, so there's very little film on Cam. Outside of his junior year at Wyzada in Minnesota, I've seen a few games from that year, but haven't seen anything in like two years of Cam Heidi playing. Obviously, other than the dunks that Joe gets on camera before the games. Uh so yeah, I I don't know. I I'm I'm optimistic for him. I I think there's a like I said a benefit of the doubt thing for Painter that he got this guy. He's going to ultimately be pretty good. But I'll tell you this: like I, they're pretty frustrated. One of the practices I went to, they were really on Brian about not talking, and he's a really quiet kid, and I think they they really are trying to get him to break out of his shell a little bit still. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of a hold up that he needs to kind of get over. Of like, I remember Painter saying, "You can be a, you can have a quiet personality, um, but you can't be a quiet player," and I thought that was a great line, and and I just think that applies to a couple people on his team. Honestly, um, he had said that about Caleb First and Trey kaufman ran as well. Um, but certainly Brian, you know, that's an obstacle he needs to overcome. You better be able to talk if you're going to play in Purdue's defensive system. So I think that's something
0: to keep an eye on as well. I think, you know, um, I've just watched some high school of Waddell, and he looked good. Like, he's he's an athletic wing, he's uh, comfortable putting the ball on the floor when needed. I don't know if he's ever, like, a he's never going to be, like, a primary creator, um, but, you know, a secondary creator, attacking closeouts, things like that. Um, before the ACL and I, you know, I we haven't seen a ton since then. Like, you know, he had some juice, some surprising juice bouncing, um, jumping up. And, and, you know, he, he posted uh IU freshman CJ Gunn in the state championship. I um, mean, even, even this year he had the bunk over Duke, um, which, which was fun. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think, I think my concern right now is that since that tweet came out of like, you know, last year of like oh draft draft you know people were coming out like oh who's this Waddell kid I don't want Waddell to be held to that standard um I think if people if Purdue fans which to be honest they probably will because they have a tendency to kind of do stuff like this um if they hold Waddell to this like oh he's a pro type standard I think they're gonna be disappointed I and I think you know and maybe you know he I think he has potential to be really really good again most likely scenario in my opinion is like a solid, you know, um, you know, kind of like a Mason Gillis minutes role, maybe not the exact role obviously, but like, you know, 15 to 25 depending on game, gives you really good minutes from the wing. Um, he can, you know, hand, I I still believe in the shot. He, he did switch it before him, um, from high school to what I've seen this year which it's a little more fluid now. Um, so you could be adjusting to that too. Um, you know, I think, you know, in a year or two, I think he will be a really good player. Maybe starter or one of the first off the bench. Um, versatile can play three or four. Depending on where the ball handling goes, maybe a two, but probably not. Probably more three, four. Um, but you know, I still have I still have a lot of hope for him. I, I think he'll I think he will end up being pretty good. So yeah, um, I agree with that. I think he'll end up being we a can move player. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we move on to the second one and it was, you know, where does David Jenkins rank among the surprisingly short list of transfers painters got? And, and then before the show, me and me and Aiden were going through um, and really the only list we came up with for transfers. And if we missed one out of, we just did like the last like five, eight, 10 years, whatever. If we missed one our bad. Um, the only real meaningful transfers that we got was Jihad Proctor, Evan Boudreaux, Spike Ulbrich, and John Octius. Um, Octius was probably the best out of that. And then it's, Spike was last, and then it's some order of Jenkins, Proctor, Boudreau. Um, yeah. Boudreau was more of the role player, uh, did some of the dirty work. Jihad started off really, really well the first 15 games uh, scoring the ball, um, but kind of fell out from there. Had a couple spot games, and I think Jenkins has been a little more consistent, um, even though the shot hasn't always fallen. So, um, you know, I I think I would put him second or third probably out of those five, but uh,
1: two yeah, for four think, is, is where he think- lands. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think, you know, Dave maybe gets a little bump for just how good the team is and like yeah, his his role as a leader on the team. I know that's somewhat intangible, but I, I do think that has to like he has to get some cred for that uh, just because it's so many people want to talk about it, you know, Um so I would say that I, I yeah, I would say just like you, Joe, like I, I think he's somewhere in the middle there, um Proctor, you know, played on a sixteen and fifteen team, um which I think matters, but yeah, I think he was a more high usage player. I also think I'd be interested to see what Dave would have looked like if Braden wasn't what Braden's been, like if Dave got twenty minutes a game, like what would his I think his production would be pretty similar to a lot of these guys mm-hmm. um you know, it wasn't like Octius was overwhelmingly good, you know, um, it just, he, he is a, a great, you know, Purdue guy and everyone kind of recognizes him because of the dunk and everything and nine points a game that last year. So, you know, I mean, Jenkins would be at nine points a game if he had, if, you know, if he had played uh, 30 minutes a game, like John Octius did his senior year. So, you know, I it, it's sort of all the same. I almost feel like they're all kind of the same mold. Um, I remember, Watching that Maryland game last week, I just freaking wanted to throw up whenever they said Jameer Young almost came to Purdue. Uh, final three. Yeah, final top three. And um obviously chose to go to Maryland. So that that was tough. I don't I don't know what it's interesting, kind of can make this conversation like what when will Purdue get a really good transfer, if at all. Like can has the name recognition gotten to the point where they they could lure in a, a Nigel pack or whoever a established stud. Um, I don't know. I, I think there'd have to be like real, like just, it had to be a kid from India, I think probably, or Chicago who wants to be close to home and also, mm-hmm. you know, gets, you know, likes like wants to play for a winning team. But I do think the cache of painters like a little bit better now to where he could, if he wanted to, I don't know that he does want to, I mean, I think it's certainly, he takes pride in development and, you know, homegrown players. But it's just interesting to think about.
0: I think it would probably also have to be somebody Painter was on um, in high school. For like, sure. I don't know if he's yeah. really going after a guy he didn't recruit much in high school. Um, I don't know. I, I could see coming soon. You know, like, I think – and Miami's good, so Nigel Pack is probably fine with his decision in that. Um, and there's the NIL aspect, but I think that becomes more regulated soon, hopefully, um, in yeah, which yeah. case – in which case, like, you know, I think these deals still happen and that's I you know, I think it's awesome that the players get paid. Um, but I think it'll be a little less upfront. Um and, and you know, you have to go through more avenues, which Purdue has done from the start. Um, but you know, I think if you have a guy that cares about winning, like I can't really recall a lot of the the transfer guards now that we were after and stuff, but I'm sure there's a couple that are at a spot where their team's fine. And they're like, they're kind of looking at Purdue. Like, man, I I could have been there. Like I I could have been a part of that team right now. And then honestly, if, if assuming they don't watch a bunch of Purdue, they probably look at Jenkins stat line and been like, Oh, I'd be way better than him. Right. Um, right. So, you know, I, I think winning helps um, Purdue continue, you know, past two years really having good success. Um, and just over the past decade for the most part, like, I think we'll get to that point soon. Um, which happens first of a, a, like a top 10, top 15 guy this commits here, or we get like a top you know, one of the transfers?
1: Uh, I'll say
0: recruit. I'll say recruit. I still think yeah, that's your Yeah. What's the kid from Fishers?
1: Yeah. Harrelson. I mean, he, there's a chance. It's probably outside chance, but yeah, there's a chance that he would come. So
0: yeah, I think it's that'll happen. I mean, Flory, Flory could come line next year. True. There you go. Um, so we'll move on. This is the third question from Micasso um, 124 um, Which team in the Big Ten most desperately needs either a new arena or a remodel?
1: Um, Yeah, I was going to go with Ohio State here. It was the obvious first answer. Yeah. Um, we've heard a lot about how kind of dead that atmosphere is. And um, I, I guess it's a it's a big arena. I've never been, so I don't really know. But I, it's a big arena. It's built for maybe an NBA team more than it is a, a college team. And I think. Their fans are, you know that that plays a role in this, right? Like apathy, fan apathy, I think is a problem in Ohio
0: State. So I think that would be where I'd look first. Um, what about yeah, you? ninth ninth largest venue, um, in the country for Ohio States. Oh wow. Um, wow, yeah, Maryland has the second largest in the Big Ten. Huh, I did not expect Ohio State can hold nineteen thousand. Uh, oh, wow. Maryland can hold almost eighteen thousand. Did not know that. Probably because it's almost never full. No. Yeah. But sorry, I cut you off. I don't know if you had more to say. I was just going to also
1: throw assembly hall out there at IU. I mean, obviously it's an iconic venue, but I do think there's been a growing, um, kind of buzz about, Hey, we, we kind of need to, I mean, it's almost becoming too old, you know, that, that IU could look to build a, a bigger, better arena, um, you know, modernize it a little bit. Um, I think it's gone kind of past the point where like renovations will save it. Like, it's just a really, really old building. And I mean, it came to a head with the freaking piece of the scoreboard falling off at against Ohio state earlier. Like that was a dangerous situation. Um, so yeah, I think that would be one that could be really cool. Like if I, you really went all out, I mean, they're going to have the financial backing of course, if they wanted to do that. So I think that would be one I would look at too, is like, Hey, could I, you, you know, maybe make it, I don't know, see 16,000, but then it's way, it's super loud, you know, however, I mean, sometimes downsizing can make it even a better environment like Northwestern did. So I think that would be a good one too.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think those are the two kind of, you know, for very different reasons, obvious ones, uh, Penn state. Also, we kind of mentioned like, it's just, they're just another one that's so big. It's just really tough to fill. Um, you know, I think when you have something that big, there's like sixteen thousand. Um, uh, when you have something that big, you have to be a a dominant program to consistently fill. Like Purdue, you know, it's fourteen whatever, fourteen thousand eight hundred four. Sell it every game. It's legit full every game. Um, but Purdue's really good. IU, I I don't see their stands obviously always, but I assume they're pretty similar this year for the most part of, of pretty much full always. Um. And then Penn State runs into the issue of just it just makes her tough scenes on TV when you just they cut to like the free throw and then it's literally nobody on that side of the court. Um, but you know, I think that's probably the other one I would throw on there. Um, maybe Minnesota, but that's probably just more for Purdue fan reasons of just just get rid of the race (laughs) court, just like just bring in some new vibes. Yeah, Um, I could see that, but yeah, aside from that, that's probably you know, I, I think. Ohio State's the best. The Ohio State's the best one in terms of just size, and then Indiana's the one in terms of just like, hey, you have stuff falling from the ceiling that could hit players. So right, right. Um, now we're, we're going to move on to this is our final question. This is from Waggy CJ, uh, it says when UCLA and USC join, do you think scheduling with will change in the Big Ten at all? Twenty two Big Ten games per team, divisions to make schedules more balanced. What kind of happens, um. I'm going to be upfront. I don't, I don't know. Is my actual answer. I'm still going to try to dive in, but my actual answer is I have no clue. Um, my guess would be they stick with 20 for now. Um, Cause I don't, I don't, that's where I just don't know the rules of like, is there a max you can have of conference games? And now like, if you're doing that, that's taking away some buy games um, for teams to get ready. Cause like, you don't think, you know, teams aren't going to want to give up their, you know, marquee games like Purdue wouldn't want to give. Obviously, they're not doing PK eighty five every year, but like they wouldn't want to give up that. Or I think they're going to Maui soon. Like you don't want to give up those. Um, so, uh, you know, that's where that. I think they probably stick with twenty for now. Um, I do think in terms of scheduling, I see it going to kind of pod. Um, I don't think there's divisions per se, but I, honestly, I think Big Ten probably steals the Pac twelve model a bit, and Pac twelve has the most like aesthetically pleasing schedule. It's you have like you and one other school with which is your closest school to you. So, like USC and UCLA are joined, or like Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon, Oregon State, yada, yada. Um, you both travel or stay at home for two games, your both games that week. And if you travel, say it's Arizona, Arizona State, they travel like to Washington, they alternate, like one plays Washington and the other plays Washington State, and then they switch for the, the second game in the week. Um, I think, per, I think. Uh, Big 10 probably goes to something closer to that, especially I think when you go to UCLA and USC, a team like goes there, you're playing both that week. Um, I just don't see how they they wouldn't do that. Um, and then vice versa, like if UCLA and USC go somewhere, they're probably playing like, you know, they'll, they'll probably get like Purdue and IU in the same week or they get like uh, Michigan, Michigan State. And I know it's a little tougher. You have like some spread out, but you could pretty much pair it up like Nebraska, Iowa pair up miss minnesota wisconsin illinois northwestern uh, you know then you get the out east schools of maryland penn state's i guess ohio yeah. state would have to be thrown in there um but that would be my guess is kind of more just pod type scheduling
1: yeah i think they'll they'll figure it out i think that's certainly going to happen like the one challenge i think would be that that like you said the out east like Rutgers, penn state makes sense but then maryland and ohio you know like that's far uh, anything to Penn State as far, driving-wise. So, you know, I think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's going to have to be, like, it's almost going to have to be, like, two ga- two road games, two home games, two road games, like, for almost every – definitely for USC, U- UCLA. Um, and then, of course, eventually at some point they're going to play each other. And maybe then you have every team in each pod play each other during that, you know, for that day or whatever, that little scheduling block. Like I, that would be when IU and Purdue would play, and you know, vice or vice versa. But yeah, it's interesting. I think, I don't know. I think they're gonna push to. I think the conference will push for twenty two league games. Um, I, mean, I the money I, makes sense, like, like you it. said. I think, I think as we see in football, and football's king. I mean, football. First of all, they are making the rules here. That's True. the only reason why the the basketball teams are here. Um, football is is and will be king in America, and I think. You know what they want will take precedence um that how much impact does that have on the basketball season? I don't know, um not a whole lot, but I think if you look at football, they're gonna push for an extra conference game and because of how you know intriguing all these matchups are or whatever. So yeah, I think they're gonna push for it. I don't know if they'll get it. um like you said, the buy games like Purdue, especially we know as Purdue fans really values that money that they get from those buy games. now, if you replace that with one ucla-esque home game um an extra conference game you're going to make the same amount of money but you know if you're taking away two buy games and one of the games you're getting is a road game now i think that people at purdue would start to say i don't know if we want that you know i don't and maybe forced to do that and i don't know but yeah i think like you said like is these teams isn't like you're guaranteeing a marquee game by adding two more conference games you know Mm -hmm. for example this year purdue um, it could have been whoever. It could have been ho- home for Wisconsin and at Iowa, you
0: know. And like Illinois doesn't have Purdue at home this year. And that's yeah, yeah
1: right. Like hosting, like, like. It, but it could have been anybody, and like or at Rutgers, like, they're they're there, those games are not as valuable probably to programs as neutral versus Kansas for an IU's case or whatever. I'm not saying they have to drop that. But if you're playing in MTE, you know, Maui or PK-80 or whatever it is that year, well, now you've got pretty limited spots. You know, now now you're cutting into Purdue's presence in Indy with the game against Davidson or Purdue hosting Marquette, um, you know, this year, which was a one-off, you know. So, like, those games are the ones, like, Purdue doesn't want to lose those games. They want to maintain a presence in Indy uh, rather than going to Iowa to play an extra conference game. You know, they they want to play an a cool team like like Marquette, not some random Big Ten t- you know, not Nebraska at home or whatever. Like that, that's where I think Purdue will, and other schools obviously. This isn't just talking about Purdue, we'll take exception. Um, but again, I think it may be just kind of you're do what you're told kind of thing and figure it out. And I think for the product to make sure that UCLA and USC get more opportunities, you know, I mean, they're gonna want them to play as many conference games as possible but yeah I don't know I I think it's less important for basketball like who really cares about USC basketball you know I I think they're not a name UCLA is certainly a name and when UCLA gets together with the big boys it will be high level TV you know when they play the at IU and Purdue and Michigan and Michigan State like that will be big time for the league but ultimately this is a football move um, I, I get there's sort of some sort of parallels with like UCLA being the USC of football, you know, like USC is the dominant football team, UCLA's dominant basketball team, and vice versa. Um, with the like, UCLA is not that great at football, and USC's not, you know, I mean, USC's been good at basketball, but yeah, I, I think it'll increase the competition of the league for sure. Like, I'm excited about that, but they're gonna have a hell of a time trying to figure out the scheduling, especially in the non revenue sports. I mean, good luck with that, yeah. you know, and that's what. I mean,
0: for- uh, That's I where it, I think it hits the most is uh, I don't know what they'll do there. Like I, I, I have no clue to be honest. Like, all, yeah, all, all the, you know, yeah, non-revenue sports, like you said. So um it'll be interesting. I, I'm glad I don't have to figure it out. Hopefully it makes for good basketball. Um, I kind of, you know, it's been a transition. I just have a couple of quick hitters for you is how uh, surprised is UCLA and USC going to be when they get to big 10 reffing? yeah
1: probably pretty surprised uh it's gonna be a different style fellas I mean I don't know if they're gonna change it or uh what I mean Mick Cronin's right at home honestly that's true the the grind it out kind of game so maybe he'll enjoy it but I'm sure USC will be uh and, and UCLA's players will not be uh thrilled about it
0: yeah um one other one I have is uh who is who has more confidence in themselves and who's more willing like who's more willing just to put up a shot when they come in? Uh Pierre Brooks or Isaac Lindsay?
1: Ooh. I'm gonna have to go with
0: Pierre Brooks because I've been on him all year as a guy. <laughs> first the first possession he was in against IU, left wing three. Yep. I don't think he made it.
1: Yep. No, um, he's he's a gunner. I mean, boy, he's just like the embodiment of the kind of guy that msu has seemed to have a lot
0: recently and they're not really helpful towards winning you know yeah No, when he played four minutes against iu got up a shot played 13 against ohio state put up three nine against maryland put up two six against rutgers put up two um, and then he had some more consistent minutes from there and there's only one game he has not put up a shots, and that was when he played three minutes at illinois so, um, yeah, he he puts them up. Even but Lysic Lindsay, I don't know if you were able to watch uh Iowa Wisconsin yesterday, but yeah, I did I was pretty did. early second or it had to be second or third possession he was in just gets swatted corner three, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, no that's um I'm trying to think was there was there another one I had I forget I think that maybe I think that might have been it I don't think I had a ton this time, um. Yeah. No, I, 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 do you have anything else? I think, I, I think I'm good from here.
1: No, I think it's good. Like, thanks for the questions in the mailbag. Um, we appreciate it. Uh, we, we want to do more of these like kind of periodically. They'll be, they should be really good in the off season, uh, when we're searching for content a little bit here. Uh, so kind of feel free to ask whatever questions. I mean, they don't have to be, can be whatever, you know, so, uh, and we'll answer, we'll do our best to answer it. So, uh, thanks for submitting those questions, guys, and and hopefully we can get some more
0: the next time as well. Yeah, no, we appreciate everybody submitting questions. Um, yeah, especially in the off season. Um, you know, yeah, think maybe do like a team by team kind of preview, so maybe get some questions for each team and stuff. But as of right now, we're focusing on how many teams can finish with a twelve and eight record in the Big Ten because it could be a lot. Um, still two. I think there's still a scenario where number two through number nine all finish at twelve and eight. So, um you know, we appreciate everybody tuning in, submitting questions. Uh, if you haven't listened, we'd have, you know, we did have the IU preview um, for our last episode, the Purdue IU preview. So make sure to go check that out. Check out our interview with Zach Eady on Brags in the Stands on YouTube. um, part of the Boilers in the Stands part, uh, network type thing. Um, and then also make sure to subscribe and tune in there because we will be um, having a live show immediately after the Purdue IU game. Um, I don't, you know, I think, I think everybody will be on and we'll have it for the rest of the games, have some, some content kind of expected to go there too. Um, but we just also just want, I just want to say thanks for all the support on the pod. You know, we just kind of started this for fun. It's, it's gotten a pretty good following. Uh, we just passed 3000 views in just a matter of, you know, two months. So, um, you know, appreciate everybody's support that you, you enjoy tuning in, um, listening to our X's and O's, but then also just, you know, kind of mess around and talk big 10 basketball. So, um, you, know, you can follow Aiden on Twitter at Aiden Kuhn, so you can follow me on Twitter at Joe underscore Jackson 2210. Follow the podcast on Twitter at FeedThePost underscore. We are on Apple, Google, and Spotify, so uh, please like, give a five-star review, share it. Um, just help this thing grow as we you know get into March, get into Big Ten Tourney and March Madness. So uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in, and we will catch you in the next one.